Welcome to Bigger Pockets Money, show number four. It's time for a new American dream, one that doesn't involve working in a cubicle for 40 years, barely scraping by. Whether you're looking to get your financial house in order, invest the money you already have, or discover new paths for wealth creation, you're in the right place. This show is for anyone who has money or wants more. This is the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. How's it going, everybody? I'm Scott Trench here with my co host, Miss Mindy Jensen. How are you doing, Mindy? Scott, I am doing fantastic. I am having a great 2018 so far. I have, we have, we have released this podcast. I have also just released a book called How to Sell Your Home, which will detail the steps in selling a house. How come I didn't hear about this? Uh, you probably did. You work here at biggerpockets.com. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this is the thing you've been working on for the past year, and that's fantastic. And yes. that we interviewed you on the Bigger Pockets podcast, actually. Uh, so. Yes, we did. If you want to hear the story about the um, the book and 16 tips for selling your home, you can go to biggerpockets.com slash show 261. And that is the episode where I talk about the book. And like I said, I give tips on how to sell your house. Selling a house, you think that it's just, oh, I put a sign in the front yard and it, it'll sell. And there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, you can do it that way, but you can make a lot more money if you plan ahead and do it right. Awesome. I am so excited to bring this episode to our listeners this week. Rosemary Groner from thebusybudgeter.com is one of my favorite people on the planet. She has such an energy and she's always got this huge smile on her face. Plus, she knows so much about budgeting and getting yourself out of debt when you are in a seemingly unending hole of debt. Yeah, I, I love how tight, how tough her situation was when she really got started getting serious about budgeting and financial planning and all that kind of stuff and how much progress she was able to make and how quickly she was able to make it. I mean, it's just incredible and it's just a – it just shows that her power of organization – and she's really kind of boiled that down into some repeatable steps that you can take to get your life together. Yes. Her tips for making sure that the dishes are done every single night. Once you get into a habit with one thing, it makes it easier to make a habit out of something else. So I love that tip. I have, since we've recorded this show, I have actually started that tip myself and I make sure that I have no dishes in my sink at the end of the day. And it really, when you wake up in the morning and you walk into the kitchen and there's not a giant pile of dishes waiting, looking at you, like taunting you, it's freeing. Yeah. She shares a couple of other tips in the show too, that, that will are just as freeing as that one is. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just about doing the few kind of trigger things that you need to do to make sure that the rest of your life begins falling into place. And I think that her examples of those of those few things are are spot on. Uh, and I find that when I have a big pile of dishes in my in my sink or when I have a, a bunch of laundry that's that's not done or a big mess in the main room, that I'm just less productive. I'm not going to get on top of the important things if those little things aren't in place. Right, right. That's so true. Okay, so I want to welcome Rosemary Groner to the show. Rosemary Groner is from thebusybudgeter.com. And uh, one of the most popular questions we get in the Bigger Pockets forums is how do I start investing with no money and bad credit? And the answer is if you're established, you can totally do that. But if you're not established, you can't. You need to get rid of your no money and bad credit situation. Scott has written a book called Set for Life. And Scott's book is a great place to start 
yeah, it's really written for the person that's starting with zero net worth or barely positive that has doesn't have very much wealth outside of maybe home equity and retirement accounts. How do you go about accumulating investable assets? But that's not the problem a lot of people face. A lot of people face a different problem, which is how do I get back to zero? How do I get to the point where I can actually begin saving a hundred dollars a month, let alone, you know, let alone $1,000 a month. That's the problem that so many people are struggling with. And that's the problem that Rosemary can really help us out with. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. So welcome to the show, Rosemary. I'm so excited to be here. I love you guys. This is like a dream come true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to have you. I love your energy. And I know today is going to be a super, super awesome, very informative show. Yes, it is. Rosemary, you're here to tell us about budgeting and how that can help people improve their lives. So could you tell us a little bit about your story and how you got started, why budgeting was important to, to helping you kind of progress with your finances in the first place? Oh my gosh. Yes. So I was a state trooper. And if you don't have that in your area, it's kind of like being a police officer, but at a state level. And I was making about $52,000 a year and we were pregnant with our first child. And I was like, oh, I'm done. Like we worked crazy hours. Like 
like we had forced overtime. We, I never felt like I was home. My husband and I worked opposite schedules. We're like, how in the world are we going to raise a baby with this, with this craziness? And then I decided I wanted to stay home. And we looked at our numbers and we realized that we were over $30,000 in debt. We lived paycheck to paycheck. We had absolutely zero skills in life, like no cooking, cleaning, budgeting. Like we were hot mess adults. So I realized that I wanted to come home and I realized that that just wasn't even remotely a possibility. And I can remember feeling like I was just stuck. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you just can't do anything else. Like I'm going to work this job because I have to. And that was a moment that I just, when we had that baby, I looked into his eyes and I was like, I don't even care. I will find a way. We reduced our spending by over $23,000 a year. I quit my job. I set a goal to quit my job by his first birthday and I made it. His first birthday was my last day at work. I replaced my income working from home, mostly through a home daycare, but we had like a couple other smaller side hustles. And then the rest is history. Like I found that when you actually figure out what you want and you have that goal, budgeting gets way easier. Like I knew what I wanted and giving up small little things that I thought meant a lot to me when I was living paycheck to paycheck meant nothing. So, so this, okay. is, this is a incredible. There's a lot to dive in here. Sorry, Mindy, did you have something <laughs> you wanted to, to mention real quick? I was, yeah, I was going to say, wow, there's a thousand things to talk about. I want to know how did you reduce your spending by $23,000 a year? Cause that's a huge, huge number for just somebody who's trying, who's struggling. It is. Yeah. So a lot of it, we actually have a full breakdown. I think it was when I started a budgeting blog. That was one of the first posts that I wrote. And I have every single dollar of that. It was actually over $23,000 and it's all listed out there. Part of it was we refinanced our mortgage to historical low interest rates. We did a, and I only calculated the monthly savings on that, not the long term, which was actually a lot more. We stopped buying books, which I'm like a book lover. I read like crazy. And when I saw how much money I was spending on books, I was absolutely sick. So I haven't actually purchased a book unless it's a business book since for like maybe six or seven years. I now only use library. It went from everything. Meal planning was a huge part of it. I think you guys just did a podcast with Aaron Chase. Aaron Chase was a huge part of this story by reducing our grocery budget. We followed kind of the grocery budget makeover and we saved um, $16,000 a year in grocery savings alone. We did, so it was basically like a lot of teeny tiny little things that added up to really big. But I mean, we systematically went through every single thing that we purchased and we found substitutions, even all the way down to like shampoo. We were using Pantene shampoo at the time. And then I found out that I love Suave uh, Rosemary Mint shampoo and our income has skyrocketed since then. And I still use Suave Rosemary Mint shampoo. It's like a dollar a bottle. (laughs) So I mean, even (laughs) things like that saved, you know, I think that was like $118 a year that we saved by switching shampoos. And, you know, most people are like, oh, whatever, it doesn't matter. But all those little tiny things that don't matter combine to like a massive, a massive change. So Aldi, I don't know if you guys have the store Aldi near you. That was a huge part of our journey as well. We shop almost exclusively at Aldi now. They have groceries that are about half the price of everybody else, about 50 to 60%. So we've got 15 people at my house this week for a whole week. I'm feeding everybody. Like every meal is like tables and tables of food and everything is from Aldi. It's like dirt cheap. Wow. Yeah, we don't have Aldi here, but I have lived in a place that has Aldi. So um, I miss it. Amazing. If it weren't for Aldi, I would have to be an extreme couponer. So I'm really grateful for Aldi. (laughs) So I have a question about this process. So cutting cutting out $23,000 of 
one's budget is a pretty intensive process. How long did it take you to cut that? And was, you know, did this come in stages? Was it all at once? What, you know, how did that process work for you? Yep. It was in stages. I would say it took about six months to actually do everything. And keep in mind, we were, I was doing this, like I call budgeting my hobby at the point. Like when I wanted that, I, when I wanted to come home, like this is what I did all the time. I didn't go out and hang out. Like I just did budgeting, but to be fair, like it ended up being really fun. Like at the end of it, once you get something like once budgeting stops being like, Oh, I have to budget so I can do whatever. And it becomes like, Ooh, I get to budget so I can have this awesome thing I'm fighting for. It actually becomes really fun. And I did do it in stages. We talked a a little bit about how I was really disorganized. So we were kind of like hot mess adults. I realized I kept trying and trying and trying to save money. Right. And we would be like, okay, we're going to cook everything from home this week. And then I would go out and spend $300 in groceries. And I'm like, I'm going to make all of this expensive food. It's going to be great. And then of course, what would happen was we got busy. My dishes are like all in the sink. My kitchen's a mess. And we would end up ordering pizza like every single night. So I quickly realized that before I even start trying to save money, I have to set up just the routines that matter. So we set up a dishes routine, a laundry routine, and a schedule routine that we actually still use to this day. And I think it's been like seven years now. So in a I don't care what my house looks like. I don't care if the sheets get changed, if the vacuuming gets done. The house could be like severely dirty and gross. But if those three routines are running, then I can do all of the things that I need to do to stay on budget. And my house actually runs really well. It may not look great, but it runs really well. (laughs) And what we found was once you got those three routines, just those three under control, budgeting became really easy. Meal prepping and cooking at home became super easy. It was like, okay, I've got a kitchen. My fridge is clean. Like I've got stuff that I can do. And the schedule book was an important part of that because we started something called the stock room, which saved us a ton of money. Oh my gosh, we still have it. So every time you run out of something, say it's like shampoo or deodorant, right? You run to the store to pick up some more, right? And there's this short list of things that if you ran out of, you would go out immediately to purchase right now. And every time you go out to purchase that, you of course, you run into like one or two or 10 or 20 other things that you need and you end up buying a ton of stuff. What we realized is that if we took like a shelf in one closet and we just put all of the things, at least one extra of the things that we would go out to a store and run and buy if we if we ran out of, that we saved a ton of money because one, our schedule opened up. There was no more extra hours that we would spend going to purchase something. Do you know what I mean? So that's that's time saved. But it also meant that we were buying these things at the lower prices. And it also meant that we were saving on impulse purchases, which is one of our biggest problems is that when we go into a store, we're not just getting one thing. We're buying like a hundred things. So that turned into, well, now we figured that out. We figured out how much money we save from that. So now we go further and now we say, we just automate all of our errands. So we joke around all the time now because now I work at home and we say, I never leave the house, which is kind of (laughs) true because (laughs) we don't go grocery shopping. We don't go to Target. We don't go to Walmart. Like all of those things, we do go to Aldi. Um, But all of those things are delivered to our house for us. And we get them for the same price that you would get if you walked into Target. There's tons of places 
places online that price match, uh, both Walmart and Target, you can have them shipped to your house for the exact same price that you can go pick it up. But the difference is I don't also pick up, you know, $400 worth of Joanna Gaines of stuff. I'm only getting the stuff that's on my list and I'm doing it ahead of time. I'm being conscious of where it fits into my budget and things like that. Okay. So again, 47 things I want to talk about now. (laughs) Okay. So you, at the beginning of this, you said that you got into a habit, you established a routine for budgeting or for, for your household. And that really just speaks to me as a, I used to be a stay-at-home mom and it's so easy to just wake up and all of a sudden the day's gone and you're like, oh, I didn't do anything. So establishing the dishes routine is really, really important in my mind. Establishing the the laundry routine so you're not sitting there and folding 47 pairs of clothes, you know, 47 loads of laundry on a Saturday when that's the only time you have to spend with your significant other or whatever. Like that's really, really important. I really like that, that tip. And you have established like a whole course for this, right? A whole like routine. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit later. The stock room is also something I want to talk about. I suffer from almost hoarderism and (laughs) I did the extreme couponing for a while. It's really not a good fit for my self. How do you do a stock room without being like one of those crazy extreme couponers who's got 47 gallons of mayonnaise that they're never going to eat ever? Yeah. So we definitely don't do that. The secret to the stock room to start is to only get the things that you would run out and purchase if you ran out of. So like, let's say shampoo, right? Let's say you have zero shampoo in your house. You're going to be like, Hey hubby, can you stop by and pick up shampoo on the way out on the way home? Or you're going to go out and get it yourself, right? There's not too many days you're going to go without shampoo in your house. Paper towels is one for a lot of people. Deodorant, right? You're probably going to run out and grab deodorant if you run out. So if you're only getting those and you're only getting one extra, so we're not talking about a major, like, I mean, it used to, we lived in a 900 square foot townhouse when we started this, we had like one little tiny shelf, but it's just like an extra, we had extra toothbrushes, extra toothpaste, extra deodorant, extra shampoo, extra laundry detergent, extra dish soap, extra dishwasher detergent, things like that. So anything that you would run right out and pick up, my husband was like obsessed with hair glue. So we had like hair glue in there, but anything that you would run out and pick up and the, I know, right. Hair glue. What's, anyway. What is hair glue? I guess it's like, I know. Does Scott know? I feel like you I look have like no a hair idea glue what this is. Really? <laughs> Scott's bed, Scott's morning routine. I'm guessing is get out of bed. <laughs> Yeah, and probably. Go. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Might, I get out of bed, I probably, shower, and I go to work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you can you can Google hair glue. <laughs> <laughs> Is it like a hair product? I, it's definitely a hair product. It makes his like his things in the front spiky. Like it's. I, I feel oh, like I should okay. know this. I'm a girl, right? I should know these things. <laughs> I thought it was um, like. He looks like he's got a full head of hair. That's a really great toupee. I thought it was like hair <laughs> no, glue like no, that. No. no, not that guy. No. Okay. Okay. So the stock room is just like one extra. And then do you, when you take it off, like how do you know to get more? Do you just automatically put it on your list or like how does that work? How do you replenish your stock room? So you have different things available. We actually have a free Excel file um, someplace. We used to, when we started, and again, don't start with an Excel file, like, because if you make it too complicated, you're not going to do it. We started with just a post-it note slapped on the back of the door and it said something like, you know, shampoo, one or two. And then when you took one out, you like crossed it out. And there's a big joke in our house because 
my husband and I, like I always use the bath and he always uses the shower and he will come over to my bath and steal my shampoo versus walking <laughs> the extra two feet to the stock room and grabbing shampoo from there. Anyway, that's a side note. So you have to be prepared for that, but you can just, you can just use like a little post-it note to track what you have. Um, but the idea is that you should, if you're going to the store, I don't suggest you go to the store. If you're going to have something delivered to the house, like Walmart or Target or things like that, you can be like, oh, okay, I have one shampoo, we'll grab one more. Or I've just used my last shampoo, I'm gonna grab one more, things like that. You can go one step further and now we do auto scheduling, which means that we've done this for so long that I know how long it takes for us to use up a shampoo. I know how long it takes for us to use up deodorant. So I just set them to be automatically sent to the house every so often. And if I find that we're getting like too many, then I'll bump it out a little bit and adjust it so we can catch back up. But for the most part, where this used to be like a monthly trip to Target or Walmart that I would load up on all the stuff that we would need, or worse, I'd buy it at the grocery store where it's more expensive while I bought groceries. Now it's something that I don't think about. I don't spend time doing it. I don't go into Target and buy all, all of the Joanna Gaines stuff there because I'm, I'm there anyway. And it's just shipped to the door. Also, you get lots of boxes and you can use the boxes for cool stuff, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> so, so what I'm getting here is this just like incredible optimization and tracking and management of your life, the things that you just yeah. use, the necessities of life, right? Yes. And, it, and you went through this process where you, in stages where you, you were able to cut your spending from $23,000, uh, buy $23,000, and it seems like free up, free up a lot of time, right? Yeah. My question for you is, let's say that I'm someone who's starting to do this and maybe haven't done any of this. I'm, I'm where you were when you started. How is my happiness going to be affected while I'm going through this journey? Is this, isn't this going to, isn't this going to ruin my life? Isn't this going to, you know, make things worse? How does that work? Oh my gosh. No. And I, I know what you're saying. Cause I could remember <laughs> like in the very beginning. So the thing about budgeting is that it's all in perspective. And I think when most people hear about budgeting, like they're stressed out about debt or they're like, or the other way, like they, maybe they don't have debt and they have money, but they don't necessarily want to like, you know, live below their means because they're like, I've gotten all this money. I'm not stupid. Like I want to spend it. But the thing is that budgeting allows you to get anything you want, anything you want. Like we're, we purchased like a gorgeous house. Like my husband's got like a fixer up or a Corvette he likes to drive around. But like the thing is that we got those things because we put our heads together and we were like, I want this. Let's go out and get it. So budgeting, I think, has a bad, it just, it seems like something that's really negative and it's the total opposite. It just opens up this whole world of like, on almost any salary, you can have anything you want. You just have to be smart enough to go after it and get it. You know what I mean? Do the work to get it. And it doesn't have to be. So some people are really all about sacrifice. We are not. Like, if you look at our story, we were over $30,000 in debt and we were both state troopers and the correct answer in that situation is to stay at work, you know, hoard all that money and then go and then go pay off your debt. And we didn't do that. I was like, I want to pay off my debt, but babies don't keep like, and I can't, I can't spend his younger years with him when he's five. Do you know what I mean? I can't go back and redo this time. So I was like, I'm going to quit my job no matter what. And I'm going to figure out a way to make it happen. And that's what I did. But the thing about budgeting is that it's empowering, like whatever you want, you can do it. You just have to be intentional when you do it, if that makes sense. That makes such perfect sense. And that's, you know, budgeting, you're right. It has this negative connotation. It's restrictive, yeah. but 
if you don't know where your money's going, you can't direct it where you want it yeah. to go. And if there's something that doesn't matter to you, then don't spend money on it. Like, yes. I don't care what my clothes look like. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want them to be, you know, fairly current and I want yeah. them to, you know, be clean. Yeah. And that's kind of it. I'd like them to fit, but that's a different story. So, you know, I don't go and spend on these brand name clothes because it doesn't matter to me, but yeah. you know, there are things that I like. So I spend money on those things because yeah. it's, that's, I don't want to say it's important because it's probably not as important as like, you know, kids and stuff, but yeah. And then also like, you also have to think about the fact that this is a very short amount of time. So this was about six months of my life that I was really, really into budgeting. And once I had established those habits, I was like, okay, now we're just talking about like an evening a week. Do you know what I'm saying? And at this point we still spend an evening a week, but it's like an hour and it's almost like a date night. Like it's kind of fun. We talk about our goals. We talk about what we're going after. And then we start, you know, crunching the numbers, but it's really like, it's kind of like a cool thing that we do now and not like budget night. It's kind of fun. Okay. So I, I want to point out that you have a conversation with your husband every week about money. And yeah, I've been married for almost 16 years and I have one of the best marriages on record because we talk and we talk all the time and yeah. we don't fight and we don't fight about money. And that is just doing the budget to have a conversation with your husband every week is totally worth it because you know how kids like suck up every bit of your time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's been a month since you've said hi to your husband. <laughs> yes. So, And this was interesting for us because when we got married, John and I had incredibly different philosophies about money, right? Like when we got married, I married into a lot of debt and we had a house that was a hundred thousand dollars underwater. And I was not great with money, but I was also, my, my biggest issue was being chronically disorganized, but I didn't have a ton of debt coming into it. And when we got married and looked at what we had, we were I was totally freaked out. Like I was like, we have to fix this right now. And John's like, let's buy 3D TVs. And I'm like, what, what, <laughs> like, what is going on? <laughs> and he was very like, oh, so we fought about money. I can remember in our first year, like crying on the couch being like, what have I done? Like, what? this is never going to work. And we have not had a, a money fight in I think five years, maybe six so I think just having like both of us having goals that we're going for and having him be able to flip his perspective from this is restricting to like, this gets me what I want made a big difference. Yeah, that is, I got to write that down. <laughs> so I have, a ahead, question, I have a question here. So you, you, you get an alignment with your, with your husband, you've yeah. begun this system of budgeting and tracking. You've cut your expenses a lot. You quit your job. Mm -hmm. What, do, what happens now to income? You know, I found in my life, for example, that when I got serious about tracking my finances and spending my, and and making sure that I'm accumulating as much money as possible, given my happiness constraints, that <laughs> I was doing two things. I was accumulating money and I was, which, which I could then invest. And I was also more comfortable taking risks, you know, on new ventures, that kind of thing. Did you find that to be the case for yourself? Yes. And I think part of it is like, we reduced our spending so that we mitigate some of the risk. I mean, cause it was a risk to quit our job. Like we were like, well, we can live in a budget for six months. Let's just quit our job. So there was a little bit of a risk there, but we reduced our spending so that worst case scenario, like we can handle it. And then of course, what, what we found was that it's not as hard as you think to increase your income. Like it was pretty easy for me to make up my income from home in the home daycare. And then at the point that we were looking at the decisions, like, okay, so 
I don't think I'm going to be able to do this for 25 years. Like this isn't going to be fun anymore when my kids are in school. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, bye kids. And then like, oh, I still have four kids at home. So what we did was we started, I started a blog and then we turned that into an, an additional income stream that ended up taking over everything else. So I think that it's actually a lot easier than most people think to increase their income and to kind of, that would give you money, that would give you money to invest, that would give you more kind of wealth. And then again, the budget gets a whole lot easier, but we still budget. It's again, it's just you're budgeting for more fun stuff, bigger fun stuff. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the point that I want to, I kind of want to throw out there is that in my experience, I've met a lot of folks that have gone through a process somewhat like yours. Yours is, yours is, yeah by far the most intensive and coolest that I've, that I've heard <laughs> with the incredible results in a short period of time. But to folks that go through any type of this process often find opportunities present themselves on the income front, even though that's not their focus. Their focus is on saving money. But because they're saving money, they become more comfortable with their position. They build up a bigger financial moat. And then all of a sudden, these the opportunity to go and do something that they love or something that may pay off financially presents itself. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you get out of, like, we call it the paycheck to paycheck cycle. When you're in that paycheck to paycheck cycle, like you can't even build a stock room. Do you know what I'm saying? Something that could save you hours and hours of time. But if you don't have that hundred dollars, $150, like you can't do that. We talk about this all the time because my audience is typically people that have zero money. Like these aren't people that have any wealth at all. They're just trying to like get by. And, but if you bring that on a larger scale, like, we have a, a ton of savings. We're debt free now. Like our life experiences and the the risks that we can take and the things that we can go after. We can build new businesses. We can try new things, and all of those are within our reach because we kind of like did the work before. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think there's this whole world that most people don't know about. They just think they have to go to a job. They have to work at a job, and most people don't even realize that they they don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. That there are people out there that aren't doing that. Yes. And this is the foundation for entrepreneurship, I think, if you want to go down it. Like, like what exactly what you're doing, what you've done, I think is that foundation. All those skills that you've built will, if you ever, you know, will help you in your business that you, that you, that you're building currently and any ones that you go on into in the future, I think. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of funny because when I started this whole thing, when I started the home daycare, I never thought to myself as being, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I never even probably thought about that world. It was just, I just need to escape. Like this is my escape route. And then when I built the blog and I kind of got into that whole world and I realized how many people were making a killing at home, it helped me kind of like catapult my business because now I'm in this whole entrepreneur world and there's so many things that you're learning, but essentially it's all really the same. It's maximizing your ROI. It's your return on your investment. If you look at my budgeting journey, what I did was I figured out the chronically disorganized things that were keeping me from saving money. And I let everything else go. And I only focused on the three things that gave me the highest ROI on the budgeting journey, I only focused on the things that were going to give me the, the best results for what I was doing. And then you flip that over when I started the blog, I did essentially the same thing. Yeah. I want to, I want to jump back to a couple of comments ago. You said something, we did the work before all these things opened up because we did yeah. the work before you make this sound really easy. Oh, I just looked at my, looked at my budget and I cut costs and it's, it's not hard, but it's not easy. It's work. And you have to do the work if you want to see the results and nobody is going to just do it for you. And there isn't a button that you can push to make everything just go away. You have to do the work and you have to be committed to it. And I think that that's what a lot of people will jump in and be like, Oh, I'm going to do this. 
oh, never mind. It's work. Well, yeah, it's work. It was work to get into the debt and it's going to be work to get out of the debt. But how free do you feel not having this this $30,000 worth of debt? And I don't want to belittle your debt, but I've heard stories of people like $100,000, $200,000. Rockstar Finance has a blogger's net worth. And at the bottom is somebody is like negative $600,000 it's mostly student loans, but that's still $600,000. Do you have $600,000 just sitting around waiting to be deployed at your student loans? I mean, that's, I'm not talking smack about that person. I think they're doctors, like two doctors or something, but still that's gotta be pretty soul crushing to wake up every morning to that. And, you know, having that, having no debt, I think all three of us are debt free on this call. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't wake up worrying about debt. I don't go to bed worrying. I don't, my phone doesn't ring and I'm like, Oh, which bill collector is that? So (laughs) the work is so worth the reward of being free. Yeah, it is like, it's amazing. And it just, it gives you so much. You can stay at home with your kids if you want, you know what I mean? You're no longer in chains. You no longer. And the other thing is like, we were just talking about this is it makes you excited to make more money. Do you know what I mean? Because when you're paying off your debt, it's like, Oh, I can make more money to pay more debt. And now it's like, if, if John wants a Corvette, he could be like, okay, let's like make a little extra money and we don't even have to take it off our budget. And that's what we do. Like we, we, seek ways to get what we want. You know what I'm saying? Like it's budgeting is actually amazing. It's like the most fun thing ever. And we kind of like, we, when I say I (laughs) turn it into a hobby, like we really did. Like when I say I'm working on our budget, I'm not talking about like sitting in a computer and on Excel. like, we do like what we call like Pinterest pretty workbooks and worksheets. So it's like, if you have like this inner organizer in you that likes like pretty things and pretty workbooks and things like that, everything that we do is all like, gorgeous. And it's almost like scrapbooking. John says my budgeting is like my scrapbooking used to be, but it's like something, (laughs) a creative outlet, you're sitting down, everything is like laid out and it just, it's, it's really fun. It really is. I promise. Try budgeting. It's super fun. (laughs) (laughs) Try budgeting. It's super fun. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost. 
so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies, and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. One thing I want to go back to is this, you know, you talked, we talked, I asked you the question earlier about whether this was done in all at once or in stages. And for me, my, my journey was really like a long process of just continuous optimization bit by bit by bit as opportunity presented yeah. itself as time went on. And the word I use for this pro like for this is the grind. It's like you yeah. grind it out for a year, two years, eight, you know, 12 to 18 months I found is when I kind of really look back and I'm like, Oh wow. I, I made a huge amount of progress over 12 to 18 months, but it didn't feel like it at all during that time. Did you kind of experience that when you were going through this journey as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the exact same thing. So the first six months was like off. It wasn't awful, but it was like, that's all that I was doing. Do you know what I'm saying? It took a lot to overcome the organizational problems that I had and then to start trying to make some progress. And I really had that date in my head. Like I could not stand the idea of working past his first birthday, but over that, like we 
still look for ways to reduce our income. And I would say like the grind for us was probably the first almost two to three years. By year three, everything was a routine and we just kind of keep the routine going. But I would say before then it was still, we were just learning new skills. It's like skill building. So, and it's different skills for different people, depending on what you spend money on. Like some people have to figure out how to reduce their interest, which, which credit cards to pay off for us. It was all grocery budget, figuring out how to make our groceries last for the entire month, how to cook at home, how to meal prep, how to get out of the awkward, like everybody else um, goes out to eat at lunch at work. And then you're like, well, I don't really want to spend 70 bucks a week. So how do I do this and not like, how do I do this and still have friends at work and figuring out all of those little things that we never had to think about before. So it took us a long time to get out of everything. And then we also say the art of saying no, like when people are like, oh, do you want to go to this? Like, rock concert. And you're like, well, of course I do, but it's also going to be like $200. And it's like trying to figure out how to say no, but still having a lot of fun and still maintaining friendships. Because if you just say no, every time everybody asks you to do anything, it's like you have no friends. So this is exactly like how I felt during this day's time. I didn't have to get out of debt. I, I was trying to build my, my financial foundation from which to house hack and then begin investing. That was my goal. And it was, way fancier than what I did. <laughs> but that's, that, Do it Scott's way. <laughs> no, but I really wanted to, I really wanted to get ahead and get like on the other side of the financial, you know, equation here where I had a little bit of passive income and some things working for me. And I just remember doing exactly what you're talking about, like saying no, sacrificing, optimizing. And now I look back and that's the part that I'm really proud of. It's, it sucked while I was doing it. It didn't suck. It was, it was actually, my life got better bit by bit, day by day, month by month, week, you know, year by year, but it was, it was a struggle at first. And now I'm like, that's the part where I really became a, a better person, a better worker, better financial, better with my finances, you know, equipped to handle money for the rest of my life. I think. Absolutely. Did you notice, by the way, like I noticed, so like in the beginning, as far as the art of saying no goes, like in the beginning, like you have this huge entourage of people and I, it's not that they weren't real friendships, but I feel like you discover your people and your real circle when they support you in your efforts to save money. Like we came out of that with like ridiculously close friends. And I feel like once we figured out who our people were and who we were spending all of our time with, like it became no problem at all. Like we would have game nights at our best friend's houses. We would go to different houses and we'd have game nights. We'd put the kids to bed. We would stay up to like 2 a.m. drinking wine and craft beer and playing board games. And we would have the most fun ever and then wake up the kids at like two in the morning and go home. It was like almost being in college. But like the cost of this was zero compared to like if you go out to an expensive restaurant with friends, like you talk for a couple of minutes, whatever. You spend $100 on babysitters, you spend $100 on your meal and like you have a good night. But like in comparison, I find that when you do things that are cheap, it's not like it sucks. It's actually way more fun. It's just you nobody ever does it. Like, you know what I mean? People don't think about it or try it. Yeah, absolutely. People don't. Oh, go ahead, Mindy. (laughs) <laughs> that was just, we're both going to agree with you. We're yeah. finally going to agree with you more. Um, yeah, no, that's, and that's uh, Sarah Wilson, who will be on the show in a couple of weeks. She had the same thing. She had the same tip. She would have friends over and she's like, you know what? I made it a point to pay off my debt. So I just said no to everything. And I told my friends what I was doing. And I think there's this big like shame or stigma around, oh, I want to pay off my debt. Why is that shameful? I don't want to have debt. Nobody wants to have debt. There's no big prize at the end to have the most debt. So do these fun things and not everybody is your friend. 
The people who want to go out and spend a hundred dollars a night, $300 a night, go out to bars and drink all the time. They might not have the same goals as you. They probably don't have the same goals as you. And that's not to say that going out is a bad thing, but if your goal is to pay off debt, then buckle down and do it. Because like I said before, there's no, nothing feels as good as nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Well, you know what? Nothing feels (laughs) as good as being out of debt. Yes, completely. So, okay, now you agree with her, Scott. <laughs> I, I also agree. So, <laughs> so I guess, I guess uh, moving on, before we, before we get to kind of our famous four and wrap up here, do you have any other tips that you want to talk about for people that are getting started with this? I know you have your, your first three things that you, you mentioned to get out there. Any other mindset things any, that you want to mention or just I'm struggling to yeah. get into this. What do, what do I need yes. to hear? So the number one thing that we hear is that, well, the thing is I really want to get started in budgeting, but I can't because in, and some of them are really, really good reasons. You know, my significant other just got diagnosed with cancer. Like I'm really sick. Like I've got a little one that's sick, like legit reasons. And there's also a slew of other things. There's, um, you know, well, I've got 15 people in my house for a week. I've got Thanksgiving's coming up then Christmas. You know, I don't want to ruin the kids Christmas. Like we're getting married. There's all these reasons not to budget, but I, I love my readers enough to say you have to do it anyway. And this is why, like you are already doing the hard thing. If you are struggling with paying off debt, or if you were living paycheck to paycheck or just not saving any money, right? You're already doing the hard thing. The easier thing is just to take a couple of months of your life, get it under control and make it so that it's a routine. It's like shopping or like taking a shower or brushing your teeth. It's not going to like suck your soul out to continue doing this for the rest of your life. And if you can put the time in now, and if you can find time and space for this now, it's a skill that you will have for the rest of your life that will pay you back tenfold, but you have to start. Even if you start and suck, it's better to start now than just be like, well, after the holidays, when January comes, I'm really going to get into it. Or there's always going to be something else. There's always going to be a point in the future that you're going to say that you're going to start and you're never going to start. So just the second you listen to this, we're going to start tonight right now. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love yelling at people. It's like my favorite. Yeah. It's probably the and state trooper know- in me coming out. <laughs> I could just imagine you pulling <laughs> your gun on somebody, which is funny because oh. I have no idea how I survived. I spent nine years in that job and I'm like, I have no idea how I did that, <laughs> but go figure. Yeah. There are very few people who could be, I, I don't know how to say this without being like offensive. There are very few people that I find <laughs> less cop-ish than you because you always have a big smile on your face and you're you're like you exude happiness and positivity and you know when police officers pull you over they're not like hey how's it going I'm so happy to see you they're like why are you speeding (laughs) so you know it's it's just very difficult to uh I think I was a great trooper, but I think my supervisors would have probably liked me to write more tickets. I'm like, no, they really were sorry. Like, I swear, (laughs) you're super nice people. Mindy, you seem to have a lot of experience getting tickets. Is that true? (laughs) Uh, No comment. What is that? I plead the fifth. (laughs) Well, awesome. Let's go ahead and move on to our famous four. These are the the same four questions that we ask every single guest. And they're first, we'll, we'll jump right into it. The first one of these is what is your favorite finance or business related book? So it's Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. I'm pretty much a 
Dave Ramsey fan like through and through. So anything he writes, I'm like, I listen to it all. I read it all. He's awesome. Or maybe it's Scott's book. What's Scott's book's name? <laughs> that's going to be my next favorite. Yep, that's right. <laughs> for life. I can tell that's how much you love it. What was your favorite part? <laughs> I love Dave Ramsey as well. And that, uh, on the original bigger pockets podcast, the number one re- recommended book is the rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. I think total money makeover is going to be the number one recommended book on this show because yeah. I think everybody has said that so far. Not Aaron Chase. (laughs) It's just, it's a really great book. I think that Dave Ramsey does an amazing job of taking you from whatever debt level you are all the way up to zero where you're now you're even, you don't have debt anymore. He does a really awesome job with that. And I kind of like the fact that he yells at you. Like I, I respond really well to that. Like, I don't want someone to be like, oh, it's going to be okay. Like I want somebody to be like, fix it now, right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't want somebody to yell at me. So I'm totally going to do it. So he stops yelling. (laughs) Right. See, I like it. It can be effective. (laughs) Uh, Okay. What was your biggest money mistake? Oh gosh. So we have a $300,000 townhome that is 900 square feet over three stories, no bathroom in the middle level. And it dropped almost $100,000 after the bubble burst. So we learned a very important lifelong lesson about real estate and that we should actually research and know what the heck we're doing before we buy a house for $300,000. That was, I think, our biggest money mistake. And we're still paying for that one. We have renters now in it, but we became reluctant landlords for that. And we're kind of, um, I think that's kind of the next goal is that we look for ways to maybe instead of being reluctant landlords, being like opportunistic landlords and turning that into like a happy ending. Well, there's a great website that could help you out with that. If you ever- I heard about that yeah. bigger pockets, right? <laughs> Biggerpockets.com. You know, I think, I think maybe somebody wrote a book on rental property investing. What is that called, Scott? Uh, I think it's called the book on rental property investing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> by, that's uh, a really- Mr. Brandon Turner. <laughs> by Mr. Brandon Turner. Maybe you've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah, let's send Rosemary a copy of that book so she can start. uh, On the happy story. (laughs) I don't want to say so she can start doing it right, but so she can start doing it right. (laughs) Probably, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. What is your best piece of advice for people who are just starting out? And I know you've given a lot of these now, so maybe this one might be redundant if you just want to restate. So highest ROI, like let's say you're just trying to reduce your budget, you're reducing how much you spend. Number one spot for most people, I'm I'm assuming you don't have some crazy spending thing that I don't know about. Number one spot to reduce your budget is almost always in groceries. Mm -hmm. So that's the spot that you should focus on. But again, there's a little bit of skill building involved in there. So if you don't know how to cook or if you're not really good at keeping up on dishes, you need to learn those skills before you attack the grocery budget. But when John and I, just John and I, we didn't even have kids at that point, we were spending $1,600 hundred dollars a month on groceries to feed two adult people. I know, right? Whenever I say that, oh. I'm so embarrassed. But now at the end, I'm like, oh, it's great because it's better now. Um, but I think at our lowest, we were able to spend between $250 and $300 to feed my husband um, and I and our two kids a month, right? So that was mostly with freezer cooking. That's no extreme couponing. That's definitely a lot of Aldi, high, high five to Aldi. Um, but once you are able to really tackle that, that makes a massive difference. Now, Part of that was chronically disorganized. We would go out and buy a ton of groceries, let it all rot in the fridge, and then we would do eat out every night. So skill building has to come first. But if you're looking for the biggest impact, it's almost always the grocery budget. 
and that, that's the biggest uh, variable expense in someone's budget. That's the biggest one that, tra- that kind of varies month to month. Some people may have more rent, for example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the easiest one to, and then obviously also like if you're going to be making a big decision, like buying a $300,000, 900 square foot townhouse, maybe do a little upfront thinking about that one. Talk to some people. Awesome. Where can people find out more about you, Rosemary? So I'm at busybudgeter.com. And we actually have a special link. I think you guys are going to put in the show notes for you guys. So it's going to be busybudgeter.com backslash bigger pockets. Awesome. And what does that busybudgeter.com slash bigger pockets get you? So we have a 90 day budget boot camp that we've put, we've had 65,000 people go through. And what it actually does is it takes you from like chronically disorganized, like I've got dishes exploding all over my house. I haven't done my laundry in a month. I kind of suck at being an adult. It takes you from that moment to being able to get out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle. So we teach all of those skills in the order that you need to learn them. And the idea is that you're going to be able to go through these challenges, work on one skill a week. It's not overwhelming. I promise it's super, it's way simpler than you're thinking it is in your head. And I promise it's also going to be kind of fun. But the idea is that we give you the things in order so that they have the maximum return on your investment of time. And that by the end of it, you'll be out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle. Then you could do whatever the heck you want to do. You can keep budgeting, you can do investments, you can do whatever you want. As long as we get you out of the paycheck to paycheck cycle, we're happy. And it's free. Did I mention it's free? Awesome. No, I I was just going to ask you how much does that cost? (laughs) No, it's totally free. When we created this, everybody else was kind of charging for courses. And the thing is that if most of my readers can't pay for it. Do you know what I mean? They really can't pay for it. So we made the agreement to keep the 90 day budget boot camp free always. And we stand by that. It's been really, really important to us. And I'm sorry, did you say 65,000 people have taken this? 65,000, yeah. And the testimonials are the testimonials are insane. Like we keep a Slack channel of just testimonials from it. And I try not to go in there too much because I always cry. But it's nice when you have a bad day <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, see, I don't suck at life. Like, awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. That's so many people wow. that you've helped with this, with this problem. I mean, that's amazing. Definitely go that's check really out. Cool. Definitely go check out that link. And that'll be there in the show notes as well. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of the number one questions that we get on the Bigger Pockets forums is how do I start investing in real estate with no money and bad credit? Well, <laughs> you we don't. Go. You don't. You <laughs> fix your money, fix your no money and bad credit situation. <laughs> that's really funny. Is that that's <laughs> wow, that's weird. <laughs> like, yeah. That's well, you know, real estate can change your life. Yeah. Real estate can, you know, it can provide you with so much financial freedom that you can quit your job and live the life that you want to live and do whatever you want to do, but you can't do it if you don't have any money. I mean, nobody's just going to give you a free house. Yeah, I promise. Or if you are able to do it and you are unprepared and you don't have the financial foundation from which to invest, it can make your life way worse. We've heard that plenty of times (laughs) too. So that's why we go through this process. Almost all these successful investors that I know have gone through the process of getting their financial house in order and probably their regular house in order before they go ahead and begin thinking about things like making large real estate investment purchases. That's really funny. Yeah. I need that book. I got to, I got to get that. (laughs) (laughs) Next year, I'm going to be a real estate investment person. <laughs> oh, we'll have you on the the original Bigger Pie. I know, podcast. yeah. Have your real estate empire. Be a success story, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, the last question here of our famous four is what is your favorite joke to tell at parties? What are you going to tell your 15 guests in your house this week? So I am the most socially awkward person you've ever met. If that hasn't come through the podcast, I don't know how that happened. That's why I'm a blogger because I love writing, but talking to people, I'm like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot. Um, so if I'm telling any jokes or laughing at a party, I'm probably making fun of myself. I do that a lot, but sorry. Oh yeah. The social awkward did not come through. You just are this effervescent ball of energy. Oh yeah. Huge smile. Yes. Oh, charisma, charisma is what is, it oozes out of you. So, <laughs> yes, that's a really good, that's a really good word, Scott. Perfect way to describe her. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely not a jerker though. <laughs> What's yours? I want to know yours. Do you guys have a favorite joke? Oh my God. Scott is the worst person on the planet with jokes. He tells all these dad jokes. He doesn't have any kids, but he's got this dad joke thing down pat. I just, ha- I just have to come up with puns all the time. I don't know. It's a, it's a very annoying t- tendency. I don't know. <laughs> Some people appreciate them. It's funny. Well, here's, a toast. here's a toast you can give to your, your guests. Okay. There are red ships and there are blue ships, but there are no ships quite like friendships. And you know what happened when the red ship collided with that blue ship? What happened? Both the crews are marooned. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm not You're welcome. Overall. You'll use it. So they're all scared. <laughs> yes. Every day, Rosemary, he tells jokes like that every day. <laughs> you were so lucky. Come <laughs> <laughs> the office. Alrighty. Well, this has been so much fun, guys. <laughs> thank you so much. This for has it. been really great. Rosemary, yeah. thank you so much for coming and talking to us about budgeting. I really appreciate your time. Thank you guys yes. for having me. This is awesome. I love you guys. Oh, we love you too. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, that was Rosemary Groner from thebusybudgeter.com. Thank you, Rosemary, for joining us on our number four episode of Bigger Pockets Money. Scott, what did you learn from today's show? Well, I, I just thought she had, again, I thought she had such an incredible story that she came from. You know, she was, you know, in such a tight position. I, uh, they're both police officers. and she was able on 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 to you know what what was previously two incomes you know in a very tight situation sustaining their lives she was able to just take complete control of her finances back and quit and have and support the entire family on one income that's you know a 50% reduction or nearly a 50% reduction in your in the level of household income yet they're able to make it work and then continue to build wealth and then accelerate that wealth creation and then start a business all because of the power of her organization in the very beginning and getting command of every aspect of her life. Yes. And her energy is infectious. I sat there listening to her talk about all of these things. I'm like, I want to get out of debt too. Wait, I don't have any debt, but she's just, she's so inspiring. I'm so happy that she was here to, to spend some time with us. Yeah. Again, I just think that what she's got there, what she, what she's, what she speaks to is really an incredible business-like optimization of her life, right? Yep. I mean, she keeps inventory of her shampoo. Right? That's, <laughs> that's nuts. That awesome. I know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, what can I put in my little supply cabinet so that I can always have it and I never have to run to the grocery store? That's such a big tip. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you got to make sure it doesn't go bad, but deodorant doesn't go bad. Like she said, you know, shampoo doesn't go bad. And 
have you ever been there where you, you have to run out to the store and you can't make it another day without, you know, running out? It stinks. Yes, I, I am a single guy. So if that ever happens, then yeah, you know, just shower without the soap that day and get it tomorrow. You no, it's just, <laughs> it's gross. <laughs> yeah, you know. I always have I always have hotel soaps. No, but I, I you know, I th- I think that if you are in a position in life where you're starting out and you are really struggling to make any progress, this is the approach to take. You ruthlessly optimize, you you know, what you begin you take those simple steps that she's that she talked about. You know, get your laundry you know, get your laundry done, get your dishes done. And then you go and expand that where you can and where you're willing to, to each aspect of your finances that you have direct control over. And month by month, you know, week by week, you're going to make progress and you're going to see, start to see those results accelerate and accelerate and accelerate until you've built up a pretty sizable financial foundation. And then you're off to the races with the rest of the stuff we're talking about on this journey to financial freedom. Yes. And I don't know if you as a single man caught the tip where she and her husband did this together. When you and your husband are on the same playing field, when you're playing the same game, you are going to accomplish so much more than when he doesn't have any interest in it or she doesn't have any interest in it and you're just doing it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I I have a girlfriend and we're actually starting to do these, these, our goals together on a weekly basis. We we have a little goals and we reward ourselves with a little bit of uh, a wine or beer and hang out and watch a movie after that. And that, but it's like a little ritual we have on Wednesday nights now. And it's Oh, that's awesome. nice. Yeah. That's nice. I'm really excited for you. So yeah, I, I think it's great. And I think that that's, you know, I, I, I haven't, you know, I've never been married, but I can see why that would be obviously a huge part of your ability to get ahead on this. So yeah, when you're both on the same page, it just makes such a difference. All right. Well, so should we close out here? We should. Awesome. Well, before we close out, let's just quickly uh, beg for a little bit and say, hey, guys, if you like the show, if you like us, or even if you just like Rosemary, would you please go ahead and give us a review on iTunes? We are a brand new show here. This is our fifth ever episode, and we're still trying to get that those reviews in place to let everybody know whether or not we're awesome or we suck. So if we're awesome, please go ahead and give us a review uh, on iTunes. And if, and if you don't like us, well... You know, do maybe, maybe you could still review us. <laughs> you could, yeah. Constructive criticism. Awesome. Well, anyways, <laughs> please go ahead and give us a review. Give us a shout out. Maybe share us on Facebook, Twitter, whatever the kids these days are using. And uh, we'd the be kids, great. like you're not twenty. Yeah, but I don't use any Facebook or whatever. The <laughs> okay. For episode four of the Bigger Pockets Money Show, this is Mindy Jensen. Over and out. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the Bigger Pockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com/deals 
enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.